Well, the Gonzaga Bulldogs and Baylor Bears are squaring off on Friday evening in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Andy Patton here of Locked On Zags. Drake Toll of Locked On Baylor here to break it all down. Key matchups, what's at stake, and how the heck can fans tune into this game on Peacock? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. going on y'all welcome to the locked on zags and locked on baylor podcast both part of the locked on podcast network your team every day i am your host andy Patton. he's drake toll and today's episode is brought to you by bet online bet online has you covered this season with more props more odds and more lines than ever before bet online where the game starts drake we got ourselves a fun, exciting rematch 2021 national championship. But as we were talking right before we hit the record button, I don't know that either of us thought that this game would be a battle of two teams hoping to avoid their third loss of the season. It is interesting to look at the parallels of how Gonzaga's season has gone, how Baylor's season has gone. We have to start the conversation with the game that I imagine yourself and many of your listeners don't really want to talk about any more than they already have. But that is, of course, Baylor's recent loss to Marquette. Uh, Gonzaga Gonzaga suffered a similar loss against Texas, went out on the road and just got the doors blown straight off of them. They came back and played really well against Kentucky a couple of days later. Is is there room for optimism that maybe Baylor could take this loss, turn it around and have a really nice game here on Friday? Yeah, I think so. That's the beauty of college basketball is that unlike college football, where you get a bad loss, you have to sit and it festers for a week. Now in basketball, it is you reset and you're back at it. Uh, And that's going to be the mindset for Scott Drew and this Baylor team is we got kicked in the teeth, Mm -hmm. just killed by Marquette. So it is now up to how you respond. You either let that be an outlier on your schedule or you fall to a, not a mediocre team, still a really good team, but not quite meeting the expectations that you're ready for. I'll be honest, Andy, I thought we would be talking more and hyping this matchup more uh, up than we are at all because both these teams are trying not to fall to five and three. Baylor has the longest streak in, in the nation of being in the top 10 and that's at stake on Friday. So this game, Baylor and Gonzaga between two teams that don't desperately need a win, but Andy, they desperately need a win to not drop out of the conversation of of being a final four program. And that, that adds a really interesting wrinkle into this matchup. Absolutely. It's it's funny to me for, for Gonzaga, like we knew that this schedule was rigorous. Yeah. You know, Michigan State at the time wasn't a ranked team. They have subsequently become a ranked team. Uh, Kentucky, it doesn't quite look as good as we thought, but Texas looks much better than we thought. Same with Purdue, who Gonzaga got a chance to play. And like the staff continually said like, hey, it's a, a rel- not really a young team, but an inexperienced team playing together. Lots of guys in new roles. And we're going to play this ridiculous gauntlet to start the season. Yeah. Yet, despite all of that conversation, all of that, for lack of a better word, warning from the coaching staff, we still have a season that has looked kind of ugly so far. Baylor, some similarities, some differences. They've had a few more bye games than Gonzaga's had so far. Uh, They haven't had two crushing losses. Gonzaga, both of Gonzaga's losses are ugly. They're both 19 plus point losses for the Zags. Uh, Obviously, both teams have picked up some nice wins as well. So it's it's a the situations are not super similar, but I feel like we're probably feeling similar kind of angst from the fan base early in the season. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Both teams didn't expect to be here. You mentioned the gauntlet. 
mm-hmm. each squad, each coach mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. ready to play a tough non-conference mm-hmm. schedule. Andy, that hasn't mattered the last mm-hmm. three or four years. Yeah. The non-conference schedule is going to be tough and you're still going to win. That yeah. is just, it's like, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. Baylor's going to win all the games before they go to conference play. Right. And it just hasn't happened that way. And it hasn't mm-hmm. happened that way for Gonzaga either. So yeah. two teams that it, it's weird. It's like, what can we prove in this game that mm-hmm. we haven't already proven right. and that can be consistent? Because if Gonzaga goes out and wins this game by 20, mm-hmm. but then loses three games from now, or the same yeah. thing from Baylor, you're still wondering, yep. all right, this team's ceiling's great, but where's the consistency? Mm-hmm. And I, again, I think it makes this so intriguing. Like it, it's a yeah. better storyline to me that both of these squads are uncharacteristically not mm-hmm. bad, but not as good as we thought they were going to be. And I, I don't know, man, that, that Marquette game, again, you hope it's an outlier, but gosh, mm-hmm. there's some glaring holes that Baylor's got to handle. And for Gonzaga, they lost to a really good Purdue team. We, yep. we know they're really good based on the record and a mm-hmm. Texas team that will never shoot like that ever again, no. even if gravity is turned off. It just won't happen. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and so I think Gonzaga owns probably the better uh, of the two losses for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think that's a factor in this game, but mm-hmm. If you're Mark Few, you probably don't want a pissed-off Baylor coming off their worst loss. Andy, the mm-hmm. worst loss in the Scott Drew era points-wise since yeah. 2007. So, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time. Yeah, you're getting an angry Baylor team here. Well, so Baylor has been led by their two guards. Adam Flagler, LJ Cryer have just been phenomenal, both averaging just under 20 points per game. I think they're 17 and 18 respectively. But after that, the supporting cast, and really we're kind of picking a little bit on Keontae George here. His star Mm -hmm. freshman guy came in. Many mock drafts had him as high as third, right behind the two G League players, right behind Victor Weminyana and Scoot Henderson, I should say. And now George, it's not that he's been awful necessarily, but he hasn't really quite stepped up into that role. Is, is George's kind of ability to be that high-level third guard? Because I know for Gonzaga fans in particular, when they think about Baylor, they think about a three-headed monster yeah. guards. They think about Macy Oteague. They think about Jared Butler. They think about Davion Mitchell. And now, like, Baylor kind of has two. And the third guy just hasn't quite emerged yet. What is kind of the, the temperature on Keontae George so far this season? And how, how impactful is he to this team's kind of ceiling going forward? George is really, really good. He's got the takeover card. He can mm-hmm. do... Baylor has been missing. Uh, I'd say well, what they were missing last season, at least, was the guy who could consistently mm-hmm. say, hey, I, this game's me, and step into that role. They've got that in Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer to an extent, but uh, Keontae George is just about as close to a five-tool as you can get. He's pretty much everywhere in the basketball floor, and he's impressed at this point, still averaging 14 points per game, four rebounds, four assists, and a steal. Uh, and And to me... Keontae is is trying to fit into that three-headed guard monster role mm-hmm. with two guys who are four years older than he is. Right. Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, Macy Oteague, all the same age, got to kind of grow at Baylor together, especially out of the transfer portal. Now it's, hey, here's these two 22-year-old guys. You just graduated high school. Mm-hmm. You're now going to be the three guys that lead this team. So Keontae George has had to step into that role, but Baylor played in Canada against the world this summer, <laughs> and George starred. And, yeah. and that was a big a big piece in getting him ready to play for this team uh, and be a leader on this team. And he's still molding into that, but I wouldn't be surprised. He scored double digits in all but one of Baylor's games. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out and is the guy for Baylor against Gonzaga and, and really the rest of the way, especially in the conference play. 
Well, we focused more on Baylor in that first segment. We're going to talk a lot more about the Zags in the second segment, the supporting cast behind Drew Timmy, what this team needs to do to reach that ceiling, to be that potential top team. And frankly, in the short term, what they need to do to get themselves a big win against the Baylor Bears. However, before we get there, we are going to talk about Bet Online. College basketball is back in action. The NBA is going strong. And of course, we're getting into college football bowl season. BetOnline.net right now is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So right. Andy, yeah, I, I, look, I'm taking over now. Yeah, do I, it, hit me. You, hit me. you're on the hot seat at this point. This, this year is is it's weird to me that Gonzaga's got a similar, um, you know, the the veterans mm-hmm. with the young guys, and yeah. by veteran I mean 28 year old Drew Timmy who gets to square <laughs> off with 29 year old Flo Thamba when these two teams hit the hardwood. Uh, mm-hmm. the, again, the storylines are everywhere. There has been Andy no Flo Thamba. Like mm-hmm. April 5th, 2021, Flow Thamba. He was a different animal in that game. And mm-hmm. I expect him to, to rise to that occasion again in, in this one in Sioux Falls. But talk to me about Drew Timmy, because mm-hmm. it seems like that, that's that been the one consistent thing in all of college basketball in the last few years. And yeah. he hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah, it's been interesting to see how Drew kind of acclimates this year because you look at his performances over the last couple of years, statistically, they don't look that different, but he has been asked to do very different things. And the big hinge was that for one season, he had a Chet Holmgren. Most people don't get a Chet Holmgren. They don't get to play with somebody of that caliber, somebody who can erase shots the way that he could, somebody who could space the floor the way that he could. And so this year's team looks much more like that team that went to the national championship a few years ago where they don't have as much rim protection, where they tend to play more of uh, guard lineups around Drew. We're playing Julian Strother's playing more of the four uh, in certain situations. Anton Watson is a significantly improved player from who he was during that season as well. So he's gotten some more run, but ultimately the the primary issue for Gonzaga is that the players around Drew Timmy, are just not as good as the players who were around Drew Timmy a couple of years ago. And that's not really a knock on this current roster. That old team had Corey Kispert, who's a very, very good rotation player in the NBA. Jalen Suggs, who's one of the best players in the country. Joel Ayayi, who was an extremely talented, versatile player. So that team was loaded. This team, they're more reliant on Drew. And yeah. it showed up in a significant way in really most of their their challenging games so far. He didn't have a great game against Xavier and Julian Strother stepped up in that one. But against Michigan State... In the second half of that game, Gonzaga didn't even run their offense. They didn't run it at all. They they took Nolan Hickman, their starting point guard, out of the game. They brought in Hunter Salas, who's a defensive specialist and not really a, a playmaker offensively. He brought the ball down the court and just threw the ball to Drew Timmy, and that was it. That was the offense. Yeah. They, just, they got the ball to Drew. Uh, at points during the Purdue game, Drew, Drew Timmy grabbed a rebound and just brought the ball up the court and <laughs> just let yeah. them do that. And it's an interesting way to kind of – get away from some of the problems that Gonzaga first really encountered on April 5th, 2021 against Baylor when they realized, oh, 
the best way to neutralize Drew Timmy is to prevent his teammates from getting him the basketball. Yeah. Teams have figured out that that is successful, and this team doesn't have Andrew Nembhard. And so they don't have, as against Texas, the only player who could make the entry pass to Drew was Anton Watson. And good for him. That's fantastic. But if your guards aren't able to get the ball to your best player, something has to change. And, and Drew's been fantastic, 20 points a game, seven and a half rebounds, career high in assists. Like he's, he's doing the stuff that you need him to do. But the supporting cast right now is struggling on both ends of the floor. And that is what is making – it's making him have to work a lot harder than I bet he expected he'd have to work this season. Yeah. And – it's it's a guy that's going to have to because he is Drew Timmy does not project to be an NBA starter next season and he's not going to be if drafted a first round draft pick just because of age that's the way that college basketball and the NBA goes now so yep. why not just have him be the guy this season mm-hmm. and carry that load uh, as as a Gonzaga legend without a doubt and yep. the one thing that I I've realized about this Gonzaga team is that I've realized to look at the schedule. If they lose, boy, they're going to do it good. They're going to really lose. Uh, You saw that with Baylor against Marquette. And to an Mm -hmm. extent, Virginia, where UVA had a 20-point lead at one point. What is it about this Gonzaga team that's made them so susceptible to to that kind of beatdown against Mm -hmm. Purdue and Texas? And if Baylor wants to emulate that, what do they have to do to put Gonzaga in that spot? Yeah, you know, it's, it's very unfamiliar to see Gonzaga get blown out really, really unfamiliar. The loss to Texas was, it was, I believe it was a 19 point loss. And the only reason I know that is because the stat that was going around was that Gonzaga hadn't lost by 20 or more points since 2010, I believe. Yeah. 2009. It was, it was against Washington state. I can't remember who was Clay Thompson's last year, or if it was his first year in the NBA, but it's been, well, that it's been a while. It's, it's been, been a while. while. <laughs> uh, you know, a guy had a career worthy of being a top 75 player of all time in that time period since Gonzaga got beat by 20. So it hasn't happened all that often. Yeah. I think what we're seeing is a team that, hasn't figured out their rotation. Mark Few historically is really tight with his rotation against high caliber opponents. Mm. Typically when Gonzaga has played seven games, they have played maybe two high quality opponents and four or five bye games, a bit more similar to Baylor's schedule. Baylor's played three or four good teams, but has more of those kind of not so good opponents on their schedule. Gonzaga hasn't had those yet. So we haven't had as many opportunities to stretch the legs for guys like Efton Reed, guys like Malachi Smith, guys like Dominic Harris, or even Hunter Salas, just haven't played as much. And so what that has created is in these tough games, guys are just gassed. And I think there's there's a fair amount of criticism that can be put on the coaching staff of just letting guys get buried out there. Like Texas yeah. was throwing down alley-oop dunks on like three consecutive plays. I'm like, we can we could probably just empty the bench now. Like, what is the point yeah. of still letting this roll on the way that it has? Uh, I think Gonzaga has some serious issues with defensive communication. Uh, I think Texas and Purdue played two of the best basketball games that they will probably play this entire season. Certainly Texas, Purdue is fantastic, and I think their guards are underrated, but Gonzaga wasn't expecting them to have that level of impact on the perimeter. I think this team has issues defensively. Baylor has the players to exploit those issues. I'm curious how this game kind of develops down in the paint. If Flo Thamba does what he did a couple of years ago, that's going to be a really big challenge for the Zags because I think that they are going to have issues defending the perimeter. And if Drew can't you know, can't go out there and drop 37 like he did against Texas the previous year, uh, that's going to be an issue for the Zags. Andy, before we get into this game being on Peacock and in <laughs> Sioux Falls, South Dakota, yes. uh, Andy, what is the difference in, like, I, I can tell you this Baylor squad is much better than last year's team, but it's not near as good as what you saw in 2021. That was a mm-hmm. generational team for the university. And this Gonzaga team, how do they stack up to the last time Baylor fans got an up-close glimpse mm-hmm. at them? And how do they even stack up to last year's team? 
Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where I, I think that the amount of talent on this team, what we have seen on the basketball court doesn't replicate the amount of talent that's actually on this team. I guess that's the best yeah. way to put it. I think this team is more talented than they have played. And I think that that's some a lot of guys being unfamiliar with their roles, learning kind of new things. Nolan Hickman is a sophomore, but he not only didn't play very much last year because Andrew Nembhard played like 39 and a half minutes per game, yes. um, but also when he was on the floor, he was often utilized as an off-ball guard. He was playing alongside Andrew Nembhard. I was barely kidding about Nembhard's minutes per game. So yeah. Hickman played 13, 15 or so minutes per game last year, but a lot of them were in an off-ball role. So he is playing a different role. He's having to be the actual point guard for the first time in his collegiate career. Julian Strother is playing a different role. He's playing more of that kind of Corey Kispert role that Baylor fans would have seen in that championship game and through that run in the tournament where he was playing the small ball four. And so you have a lot of guys in different roles. Drew Timmy's the same. Anton Watson is you know, has been here for four years, but he's also in a different role. So it's it's kind of a situation where I think the talent is there. Yeah. Certainly not as talented as a team with Chet Holmgren and Andrew Nembhard. Those guys were absolute studs. Probably not as talented as the team that had Suggs and Kispert and Ayayi. But I think that the overall players on this roster are very good. They have multiple guys who I do believe are going to be NBA players in time. But I think that the timing is just not quite as perfect as yeah. it was that mix that Gonzaga had with Kispert and Ayayi being veteran guys, Suggs being a, a freshman who could just di- be dominant right away, which is unfair to put those expectations on other players as even Baylor fans are finding out. Sometimes right. freshmen take a little bit of time to get there. And just because Suggs had 27 points in his first game doesn't mean that everybody is going to do that. And I think that this team is probably not as high-end talented as the last couple of years, but I don't think they're as for lack of a better word, bad, as they have been these this first seven games this season. Andy uh, Peacock. Peacock. I, I think that both of these teams got together, which I, I've heard, and Fran Bichilla talks about this so, so often, mm-hmm. how coaches like John Calipari and Scott Drew and Mark Few and, and the rest of those guys, Tony Bennett, got together and basically said, how can we grow the game post-COVID? Mm-hmm. And they all agreed, let's play each other in the non-conference. Let's play in these tournaments. And a part of that is what you're seeing with mm-hmm. Baylor and Gonzaga playing the most complicated to access game in college basketball history. Let's play it on the moon. It's booked. (laughs) Let's play it in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Bingo. Yes. Let's play it with two coconuts and a wire. I don't know if we'll get good signal. (laughs) Dry peacock. Bingo. Uh, Andy, it's like they don't want people to watch one of the biggest games of the non-conference. Well, that's what I don't understand. Like you, you nailed it. That is what I is baffling to me is the decision. Like, Mark Few has said numerous times, and all those other coaches, you're absolutely right. They have this agenda to grow the game of college basketball, to do more creative things, to think outside the box. That is inherently good. I think games like the Armed Forces Classic, I don't love playing on an aircraft carrier in the past, but I also don't hate it. It's something different. They're trying something new. I didn't mind that. But the issue for me is accessibility. You want college basketball to be viewed by as many people as possible. The second, the second that part of the conversation becomes, how much do I have to pay to watch this game? You have immediately made your product exclusive, immediately. And there could be a significantly larger conversation about 
just the accessibility of college athletics in general and college basketball and looking at the, you know, the, the, the demographics at Gonzaga, the demographics at Baylor and kind of knowing who tends to be fans of college athletics. And I think that there's probably some viability to that. But at the end of the day, if you want people in Spokane who love this program, who love going to restaurants and seeing posters of their favorite players, who live in one of the poorest socioeconomic places in the state of Washington, because the area around campus is very, very poor. This is a well-known fact about Gonzaga. And you're going to say, hey, you you know, we there's no way to go to games because it's just impossible to get tickets to a Gonzaga game. We'll play at the arena, but tickets for that game against Kentucky were very expensive. And, oh, we'll play this huge game against Baylor, but you don't get to watch it. I don't understand. I don't understand why there is this. And I, I know we're trying to do things differently, but like yeah. at what point is it we're just excluding people? And Gonzaga played an exhibition game and they're, it's a difference between an exhibition game and a regular season game, certainly, uh, against Tennessee and Rick Barnes and their staff. And it was $10. It was pay-per-view. You had to pay $10 to watch it. And again, since it's an exhibition game, I think that that's a little bit more okay, I guess yeah. is the best way to put it. But to me, I'm like, I, I get what we're trying to do. I get we're trying to think outside the box. But when you start charging people or expecting them to have you know, the, the ninth, 10th, 11th different streaming service in order to watch your product, uh, something's got to give. Yeah, I, I don't, and that goes beyond playing the game in South Dakota, which, <laughs> sure, uh, true neutral site, which yes. I, this is not high school sports. Travel's mm-hmm. not an issue for these yeah. two teams. Yeah. Um, but you also, you you fan bases pretty much can't go to this game, and the mm-hmm. ones that want to have to be gajillionaires because tickets yep. were so expensive yep. because of the limited capacity. It creates something different. It creates something special in college basketball mm-hmm. that you only give to your rich fans. Yeah, that's the, exactly. And that, that's what frustrated me about. Well, there's a lot of things that frustrated me about Kentucky and John Calipari being willing to fly 99% of the way to Gonzaga's campus and then not actually play on yeah. Gonzaga's campus. Uh, I ultimately likes to ruffle some feathers and talked about it a bunch. I don't think it was a dramatically huge deal, but part of the issue was like people are saying, well, there are twice as many people can go to the game. And it's like, yeah, but it's just 6,000 more rich people right. who get to go to the game. Right. Like I know where the Spokane arena is. And I know that people who live in a mile radius of the Spokane arena had a hard time getting an opportunity to go to that game. And so for me, it's like, you, you want accessibility. You want this to be a game that people can attend. You want this to be a game that people can watch and appreciate. And yet the decisions you're making Putting it in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, an arena that holds, I think, like 3,300 people, yeah. highly exclusive event space, not going to be accessible on TV. It's like, who are we Who are we playing this game for? And if it's not everybody, if it's not, if we're not trying to cast a wide as net as possible to get people to watch a game between two top 15 teams, teams that played for a national championship two years ago, then what are we doing? Yeah. There is a reason college basketball and Baylor Gonzaga individually boat raced even the NBA finals games when they played in 2021. And now to take that out of the hands of almost every viewer, because I I don't know very many people who have Peacock, it's ESPN plus and Peacock and Apple Mm -hmm. TV and all these things that have come up out of, out of, out of even COVID that Mm -hmm. have created different categories of games and there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's a big game. Who knows what it'll be on Fubo yeah. TV maybe, or flow yeah. TV. And I just, Andy, I, yeah. I could go on for days. I can't yeah. stand it. Yeah. I, I I'm so tired of it too. And Gonzaga being at the forefront of two of these games. Like, like I said, I appreciate Mark Few's willingness to try different things. This yeah. is not it. This is not it. I, I, and it's, it's again, if, if, if people's argument for it is like, well, it's only $5. That's missing the point. You're missing the point. If people have to pay for it, 
that is part of the problem. You're excluding yeah. people. And for me, that's what makes this so frustrating. And, and, and you know, we'll see if it, how, how well it does. We'll see how well it's received. I suspect there's going to be a lot of people who have similar opinions to ours about this game. Uh, but there was a lot of people who had similar opinions about the exhibition game. And it, it didn't stop Gonzaga from scheduling this game in a similar way. So we'll see going forward if we see more stuff like this. Obviously, I mean, and this is a conversation for another time and another podcast, but just the amount of how stretched people have to be in order to just be able to watch sports right now is yeah. really taxing and frustrating. Yeah. Now, Andy, before we uh, completely close things out, your final stamp on this game, how do you see this thing playing out? Uh, mm -hmm. And where do you see the final score landing? You know, this has been one of the most tough games for me to try to predict. It's <laughs> both these teams have proven that they can beat very good teams. Both yeah. these teams have proven that they can lose to good, but maybe not great teams by a both lot. These, both these teams have proven that they can get smacked. Yes. Around. Like that to me, those are rarely facts you say about most teams, but definitely yeah. not facts we say about Gonzaga and Baylor very often. It is very surprising to see that. I think that some of it, some of Gonzaga's strengths, I think, line up well with some of Baylor's weaknesses. But yeah. the things that have really hurt Gonzaga this year are guards who can really light it up from beyond the arc and put pressure on the opposing teams and, and guards who can also put pressure on Gonzaga's guards. Baylor has that. They absolutely have. Adam Flagler's made like 97% of his threes or something like that. That's yeah. not exactly accurate. It's something like that, though. Uh, and obviously, Cryer's been fantastic, too. And if George has a good game, like... I can see Baylor putting together a game that doesn't look that different from what they did in 2021. I can also see a situation where Baylor's depth in the front court, which is highlighted mostly by Bridges and Thamba and then Caleb Lohner, a player that Gonzaga fans have been waiting for me to mention in this podcast because he is a former BYU player. He talked about uh, he had some negative comments about Gonzaga the last time that BYU played them. Uh, Gonzaga smacked him in that game. Of course. I'm right. quite ready to do similar to him as well. And so I'm interested to see kind of how that relationship plays out. But Baylor's not getting a lot of scoring from their front court. And so they're going to be really reliant on that backcourt. If Gonzaga can play good perimeter defense out there, I think they can take this one. But I could also reasonably see this one being a game where Baylor gets a big lead and just kind of maintains the whole way through, similar to what they did in 2021. Yeah, see, Andy, I can't see it like that. It, there's not a world in my brain where Baylor is able to get a big lead in this game. Despite losing pretty badly to Marquette, I do think Baylor comes out a little more hot. Sure. Um, but at the same time, I think Flo Thamba does a good job on mm. Drew Timmy, but Drew mm. Timmy does a good job on Flo Thamba. And yeah. Gonzaga limits Baylor getting into the paint. Mm -hmm. So uh, I see this being, and I, I can only imagine Drew Timmy has nightmares about Flo Thamba because, <laughs> because of April 5th, 2021, yeah. Yeah. a different breed of Thamba. Yeah. And Baylor, though, it's going to be low scoring, air quotes low scoring to me, 72-71, 72-70. I give Baylor a one-point and two-point nod, which is what most computer simulations give as well. Right. And the only reason why you mentioned it, I think Baylor's guard depth is just a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. uh, a guy coming off the bench like Dale Bonner could yeah. end up putting together 12 points that are the eventual difference. He had a plus 30, plus minus a couple games ago where it was like, I, did he play? You don't really realize the impact some of these these guards coming off the bench make for Baylor. So if if guys like Dale Bonner show up and play the way that I, I foresee them playing, I think Baylor's got a one, two-point edge, but mm -hmm. there's a world in where Drew Timmy just gets his revenge on Flo Thamba, mm -hmm. and if he gets hot, Andy, it's over. It's Gonzaga's yeah. game because Baylor doesn't have the depth or the bigs to keep up with anything in the paint. Yep, I, I I can see that 100%. It'll be Gonzaga's depth, uh, specifically their guard depth, hasn't been great 
this year. Malachi Smith's the transfer they added from Chattanooga. 20 points per game for the Mocs, 41% three-point shooter. He has been really good in two games this season. He was great against North Florida in the opener. He was fantastic against Portland State in their first game of the PK Invitational. Against every other opponent that Gonzaga has played, the laundry list of Michigan State and Kentucky and yeah. Purdue, he hasn't been very good. And so that's a, a question of, is he ready to play at this level? Can he step up and be that third guard, that high-level scorer off the bench, a guy who gives you 10 or 15 a night in, you know, in that role? And if he's not that guy and somebody like Dale Bonner is that guy, that, that, you're right, that could be the difference. Yeah. Well, Andy, oh, it's a pleasure. These Always. two teams, I'm excited to see it happen. Absolutely. This has been an absolute blast. Very, very excited for the game on Friday. Enjoy it. Everybody listening to the show, check out Locked On Zags. Check out Locked On Baylor wherever you get podcasts. Also, don't miss out on the new Locked On College Basketball podcast. Myself, Isaac Shade, Locked On Tar Heels, co-hosts of that show. Fantastic content coming your way later this week.